podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to the Eden Road podcast for the first episode of the 23-24 season. Football is well and truly back and here to chat with me about our 2-2 draw with Tottenham on the weekend is Clayton. Clayton, did you enjoy the game on Sunday? Yeah, good to be back at GTEC. Yeah, no, it's good, wasn't it? We'll get on to the, well, actually before that, remember guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. So obviously our listenership is building at the moment, but we want to be one of the biggest podcasts around in terms of Brentford stuff. So subscribe to our YouTube channels. Uh, subscribe to our Spotify channels as well and also follow us on Twitter. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and our new Instagram account, which went live a few weeks back, which is Eden Road Pod. So we got quite a few questions from the GPG and Twitter as well, but we'll just go through the game first. First of all, Clayton, main main takeaways from the result on Sunday. I think overall on the balance of things, it was probably a fair result. Um, although trying to take my Brentford goggles off, maybe we had kind of, more chances on the balance of things. Um, kind of the child or no call, which I'm sure we'll speak to, but about the penalty at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously then when we miss back post, uh, both stand out as kind of missed opportunities. Um, but I think I think we we're really good first half. Um, we knew kind of with Postacoglu, um in his first game, kind of the way he's going to play, he's going to play out from the back, um, which was interesting to see a Spurs team kind of change so much to when we saw them at the back end of last season. Um, but Frank had a plan, kind of pressed them high, um, and they weren't they weren't really ready for it. I thought they were a bit better with that in the second half. Maybe we tied a bit. So yeah, on the balance, I think the first half we were definitely the better team. Um, unlucky to concede a couple of those goals. Um, and then yeah, second half I think we, we just looked a bit bit tired, mm, bit leggy, uh, bit leggy, and which is fine. It happens. Games ebbs and flow, right? Especially when you play eleven out of minutes in the first half. Um, it's like 10 minutes you wouldn't normally play, right? It, mm-hmm. Before they changed the regulations, you'd probably play like four or five minutes, even though there were quite a few stoppages in the first half. So I guess it all adds up. But I think our success depended on how much we could keep on pressing. And, and when we couldn't do that in the second half, we kind of lost momentum. But yeah, overall, I think I think a fair result. Yeah, I think so too. I think first half we were we were much better, and the second half we just kind of dropped into that low block and just soaked up the pressure. There, I think there's a few reasons for that. We we can get onto that later, we'll, but first we'll go through it goal by goal. Not sure we could have done much for their first. I don't know what it is about James Madison, right? But for some reason, whenever he plays Brentford, he always has a blinder. If he doesn't score, he'll assist, which he he did twice in the game against us. If you what, I always watch him as well. For I don't know why. He's, I, I quite like. He's one of those players that I'd love to have on our team. But when he's playing against you, he just looks like such a twat on the pitch, like always in the referee's ear, always yeah. always calling for players to be booked, always got a problem. But um, definitely a player that I would like to have on our team. What did, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, I remember all the way back to, um, I think we lost 1-0 to Norwich at home back in Championship probably about five years ago. No, and he scored, he scored a free kick. Um, and like just since then, it's just haunted us. Like it's just quality, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's but yeah, he's one of those players you're like, come on, you don't need to be in the referee's ear every single minute. Mm-hmm. And he got booked quite early on for being in the referee's ear, but then it never um, materialises into a red, so I'm not too sure what the point is in that rule change. 
but uh, he was good. He he kind of looked like the driving force of that Spurs team. Hmm. I, I know that we're missing a few midfielders. That may be a bit more creative, like Ben Tanker for injury. Um, kind of in their absence, he he was kind of the main man. But but they did look they look good with him. Yeah, no, I liked him. I thought uh, I thought Basuma looks really good as well, which is strange because mm. last season, he, well, I think he was injured for quite a lot of last season, but he just didn't. It, it, especially like the way Madison and Basuma kind of commanded that game, I didn't really expect it. Um, mm. I, I guess well, the fact that Tottenham signed him for Brighton and Brighton are known for just producing these gems. I thought his career might fizzle out at Tottenham, but under Foster Cogley, he might have a different role. Anyway, not turn, trying to turn into a Tottenham podcast. Not, <laughs> not too much to say about Brian's goal. Clear pen, I thought, although people are still up in arms about that pen being a bit soft. But in this yeah. stage, when he clips him, I know Jensen is, he does make a meal out of most challenges, but um, it was a definite pen, I thought, especially once they took it to VAR. thought Brian had a great game, though. I hope, I hope that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, me too. He's in my fantasy team, so he needs to keep returning. But um, no, he's, he's, I think he's kind of trying to take on that main, the role as the main man. Um, I definitely think he's got the ability to do it. He's, he's kind of just keeps on. He, he never not, doesn't give 100%. Um, and yeah, the only time he could really fault him in the game was that miss. But I mean, it's on his weaker foot on the half volley. Um, as much as you like to see that rustle on the back of the net, I can understand why he missed it. So yeah, happy with his, happy with his performance, definitely. It was definitely when I when I looked on uh, match of the day when I looked the, well to be fair in, even in the stands when I saw the chance I was like Do you know what it's come it come into him that the chance with Rico I'm on about when Rico kind of pulls it across the box yeah skies it comes into him about knee height and it's difficult to kind of get over it and it's quite easy to just kind of stick a leg out and it go over the bar which it did so yeah it, it was definitely a difficult chance but hopefully hopefully we'll start to bury those in the future when they become more frequent. I thought Wissa's Wissa's goal after some amazing work from Rico Henrio, who I thought was definitely standout man of the match. I posted about him on the Instagram account, which you can all follow now at Eden Road Pod, uh, about kind of how if Rico shows on a consistent basis the level of attacking output that he did that he had against Tottenham, bursting down that mm. flank, and it was great to see the kind of interplay between him, Nathan Collins as well, who I thought was finding him quite quite often, and Flecken. Um, but if he kind of produces that kind of attacking output on a consistent basis this season, he has to be in the conversation. I was going to give this question to Niall, but he's not here because he's spoken about Rico Henry before. Um, but there was a bit, there was a bit of chat on the Instagram account about you know how Chilwell and, and Shaw are they're, they're the stalwarts at the moment. But I think you can't ignore him. I know Gareth Southgate's come out and said there's a lack of really good left backs in the Premier League, and he's been having to dig around in the Championship. But Rico Henry surely at the moment is a shoe in for the for the third spot. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that was one of the best games I'll see him uh, play for Brentford. But to play devil's advocate, he was matched up against Emerson Rara, who can't, famously can't defend, doesn't, uh, for a right back, doesn't do too much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly the game plan was to kind of play that long diag over to Rico as much as possible. And I mean, when Rico had the ball, he was nothing short of amazing every time, he used that pace so well. Uh, it was unbelievable. But yeah, to play. There's a look at both sides. Maybe if, you know, I think the argument from not getting into the England squad is the attacking output. And maybe when you're playing against a team, like most teams England will be playing, apart from when they get into the latter stages of the tournament, that are kind of sitting back when you don't have that space in behind the right back as much as you did on, on Saturday, Sunday. Um, maybe maybe that's kind of the, the reason that Southgate is still not looking towards him. Yeah, I saw someone said as well that he would actually play Trippier at left back and he probably would, knowing <laughs> Southgate. Uh, no, no disrespect to Trippier because he's a fantastic player, but still, I think Rico Henry. Hopefully, if he kind of keeps that level of performance up, I think you're right. I think that might might be if one of, if not the best, the the best game I've seen him have in a Brentford shirt. 
because he was just lethal down that left-hand side. I don't think Royale could really keep up with him. Um, we'll move on to Royale's equaliser for 2-2 two, two all. Uh, a couple of people on the GPG saying that we could have closed the ball down quicker, but it was kind of just like a... Well, it wasn't a ricochet. Matt Jensen kind of fouls Madison, and as he's going over, he kind of flicks it into Royale's path. I didn't think the fault for the goal actually lied in not closing him down quick enough, but probably Ayer's kind of massive lump forward before. What did you make of Ayer's performance? Because it's, it's a weird one, because he came in as... Well, he was a massive sign-in at the time. He hasn't played too many games for us. And whenever he has played, I've, I've never thought, wow, he looks really assured at the back. I thought he was all right on Sunday. What, what did you think? I thought he was a bit shaky, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I think he could be really good. I think if he just needs to run and the team gets confidence back. I thought we saw at the start of um, our first season in the Prem, I thought that's when we saw the best of him when he, when he was getting a good run. Even um, at points when he was playing right back, he was, he was very good. Um, but like you said, kind of being played of injury and in and out of the team and playing for the B team, etc. Um, he definitely looked uh, a bit uncomfortable at times. And I think that was an example, like you said, he kind of shanked up, but all game kind of just a bit unassured. And I think he ended up getting yanked for Zanka. Yeah. Um, but he, something to note is he was, he was playing on the left side of the back three, wasn't he? Yeah. Which yeah. I doubt he's done many times in his career, um, I guess, to accommodate for, for Collins to, to play on the other side. So maybe that contributed towards it, a bit out of position, out of kind of uh, game awareness, not not being in the team too much. So yeah, hopefully I'd like to see him stay in the team, get a run of games and kind of find his full form. Yeah, you mentioned Collins, the, the bloke who stands next to me, his name's Nick, on the, on, the, on the West Stand. He was just having a go at Collins all game. I, I was thinking, I didn't think he put a foot wrong. I thought he looked actually quite assured at centre-back. Um, what was he having to go at him for? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I literally have no idea. He kept saying to me, what do you make of that Collins on the, on the, on the right-hand side of the centre-backs? And I was, I was like, I think he looks good. He was like, I think he's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, he was, I thought he was really solid. I was really impressed. It's just the good stature. It's good to see a kind of centre-back that big and that strong on the ball. Um, that's so sure with their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, he played some good balls over to Rico. Definitely um, not afraid to kind of play out the back a lot of the time. I thought we'd definitely been working hard in training on kind of triangles within our own third. We were playing quite a lot of risky passes to kind of try to break the press and look really good. And he was often a part of that, kind of being the first player to take the risk. Um so I was, I was really impressed. Yeah, I'm not sure about what, what you made in the West Ham. was all about, really. <laughs> yeah, no, neither. I think uh, Flecken had a, had a great game as well. A few few half-decent saves, although the club posting that Jordan, what Jordan pointed out in the chat, the club posting, like, <laughs> solid debut and the, both of the saves were straight at him. I mean, the Richarlison one, I, I, if that was Kane, I saw a few, I think it was on match of the day, someone said if that was Kane, he buries that. Um, but still, he had, he had to save it. You can, only, you can only do what's in front of you. But I think the main thing, the main takeaway is that his distribution, especially in that second half, when we could actually see it. Another thing, absolute gripe when teams fucking turn us around and have us kicking the wrong way. I hate it so much. Fuck off, human son. I know. I hate it. I hate it so much. Anyway, back to Flecken's distribution. Um, I think there was a question on the GPG about all the noise generated by his, well, a couple of his bunders in pre-season. Very assured full Premier League debut, and like I said, some of the distribution he, he was he was pinging him like David Railwood. Mm, no, I thought I thought it was top. Like it was almost like uh, better than Raya. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll just try and tell myself that because he just left today. <laughs> uh, but no, there was that one uh, ball from the hand he played over to Sharda, kind of yeah. on the half volley, like curving to the right through two defenders, through to Sharda. It was like everyone kind of looked at each other like, wow. Mm. It was like pinpoint. And yeah, like you said, he looked very short of it as feet as well. Um, happy to take a risk. So yeah, I was happy with it. Made the save they needed to. Don't think it was at fault of any of the goals. So yeah, happy overall. Yeah. Agreed. I think uh, we should we should talk about the penalty incident. Uh, Vicario and Strada towards the end. Immediate thoughts after looking back at it. I know match they did a little sequence when they compared it to uh, Edison's on Enketia last season, which was a little bit similar. Do you remember what did you did you watch it when when Enketia goes through has a shot? I think yeah. it's difficult when the player gets the shot away. I think the easiest thing to say is that if he takes it past the keeper and the keeper takes him out, then it's a clear pen. But I mean, do you think that that should have a bearing on whether it's a pen or not? Because for me, I know he gets a, a shot away, but I think, I'm not sure. I, th- I think the contact is there. I don't know. I think it's such a grey area. Yeah. Because if it's given, you probably don't complain too much either, right? Mm-hmm. But th- there's so many examples. So uh, did you catch the Anana one last night mm-hmm. at the end of the United game? I mean, those refs have already been pulled off this weekend yeah. and apologised for not giving the penalty. But Dawson already headed the ball. So, I mean, it looked bad because he kind of mauled two players at once. But technically, the ball had already gone then as well. Yeah. Um, At least from what I've seen on the replays. So, that if that's somewhat nailed and kind of they've come out and said, sorry, we should have given you a penalty, I don't see how it's too much different from from the Sharder incident. But then how many times kind of, you know, maybe the team's on the counter, um, striker gets a shot off and then a a, a defender kind of, comes in and maybe takes them out or they, they trip over and fall over. No one would even call for that. It's kind of just part yeah. of the game. Yeah, It's like you've had your shot and then someone's trying to block it. And it's kind of an outcome of the game of football that you've collided. So why just because it's a goalkeeper, should it be a pen? Yeah. Um, I guess if you think back to Wieser, was it Wieser that went down for the penalty against Forrest? Yeah. Yes. He hadn't shot yet, so that's kind of nailed on. Mm-hmm. So that there's so many examples, but there seems to be inconsistency. I, I, I actually don't know. What, I'm not sure what to think. No, neither. I think if there was a consistent kind of, this is the rule, this is when it's broken, then it would be a lot clearer. But because there's been points where they've given it and points where they've not given it, it kind of just leaves those situations up in the air. But I think a lot of Brentford fans, obviously we're massively biased, but a lot of Brentford fans saying it's a nailed-on penalty. But you you are right. It's weird when a defender would do that. It's kind of just carry on because the, the striker's got their shot away. But for some reason, when it's a keeper, they're more likely to be penalised or less likely to be penalised. Yeah, I understand if there's been no shot. But if there has been, yeah, it's just, it's just very unclear because it's almost like how much malice is there in the contact afterwards because obviously Anana's at bad last night because... He absolutely clatters two players kind of with his fists, whereas uh, the Spurs goalkeeper is kind of still going for the ball. Um, so, yeah, where, where's the line? I'm not too sure. Yeah, just on the Spurs goalkeeper as well. Don't know why the hell they didn't just bash out for David Rea because he looked shaky all game. <laughs> yeah, he didn't He didn't fancy Parson out of the back. Maybe he'll come good. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's got a long career, Spurs, ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, why, why would you not just pay up 20 million more? Uh, especially once Kane's gone, it looks even sillier. Um, and then Ray has gone to your your arse nemesis in Arsenal. A uh, bit more egg on the face for Levy, I think. Exactly. Anything else you wanted to mention before we get onto the questions? Because we've got quite a few to get on. Uh, no, nothing in particular, I don't think. Cool. We'll, we'll get on to questions for the GPG. Our, our favourite username, N5022N122. 
wants us <laughs> to discuss the midfield. I think it more in just general, just kind of performances. I know but Damsgaard came on and didn't really impress. I've seen um, the jury's out for him once again, but I'm I'm more hopeful that he'll that, that was just a difficult game for him to come into. Thought Norgard looked really good. Um as did Jensen. I thought the game kind of changed when he went off a little bit. Um, and I've seen a few people saying, you know, in, in the summer series as well, Jensen was one that really stood out. And I didn't really think he had another level to go in terms of how good he was last year. But I could, when he, when he went off on Sunday, you could kind of see that there was a bit of a drop in terms of creativity out of the midfield. Yeah, I think we really missed it when Norgard and Jensen left the pitch. Um, we kind of went down the gear. I thought Norgard was going to play much in pre-season, but oh, there's a reason he's my favourite player. He was so good. Yeah. Um, it just wins so many balls. And he was actually leading the press a lot of the time. He was the one kind of running up the goalkeeper and we were doing a lot. Kind of Sometimes you saw one of the centre-backs in the midfield pressing up as well um, and he's kind of organising the whole thing. So I thought it was great. And yeah, echo your thoughts on on Jensen. I um, thought, you know, it was solid. Mm-hmm. But coming off the bench, yeah, Tam's got... I tried. I, and I, I will keep trying to be optimistic. But... Do you know what? I thought he put himself in the right position so many times on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He is actually, in terms of positionally, a good ball winner. Yeah. But I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like he goes in for so many 50-50s, wins the initial ball of his positioning, and then because his legs are the size of a twig, <laughs> the rebound then goes back to the opposition. I, I could have sworn it happened at least four times right. in the second half. You're right, it did. Um, it, it's, it is difficult because I think you're right. He does get into good positions quite a lot, but maybe his physicality lets him down in certain situations. We'll, we'll quickly talk about the chance that he had. And I really thought that was going to be his moment because obviously we're in the West End. We can't really see it that much. But looking back on match of the day, he was a bit further out than I thought he was. I thought it was, I thought it was like inside the six-yard box. But um, he just kind of didn't... It didn't his run-up his, his run to actually getting the ball didn't really inspire any confidence. And then he kind of just whips it into the floor and it kind of goes up. But it's it's so strange because obviously we're all taking all these like compilations that we've seen when when we signed him when he's banging him in from like thirty yards. We saw one at the Euros against England, and he just he hasn't he hasn't shown any of that as of yet. Um, kind of running past players, taking players on. I don't know if Frank's trying to deploy him in a different role, maybe. But it kind of makes sense the fact that we're saying he's always in the good positions. Um, maybe that's like maybe that's kind of a trait that Frank's tried to work on with him, and then the the thing that's letting him down is maybe he's not quite ready for the physicality of the Premier League. Yeah, but then if the physical side's not there, then you'd hope you'd see a bit more in terms of like some acute passing and yeah, some some like nice long shots and etc. Like putting a bit more vim behind that shot on, on Sunday. Because um, I, I I definitely agree with you. It felt like that moment when it kind of sat in front of him. Yeah, you almost pictured him. You know, maybe taking a moment that a defender go past and slotting it in the open goal or um, or just putting it top corner and then kind of just wheeling away with the whole stadium going crazy and instead he kind of mishits it straight at the goalkeeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. There's, there's definitely a promise there. We saw it at points last season. Yeah. Um, it was, a, I think, that's that Fulham game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, where he was so good to kind of probably his best in a brave chat. But I think from memory, his impact in that game was winning the ball as well. And mm-hmm. I think maybe... Um, the kind of atmosphere with the derby against Fulham gave him uh, some extra legs that game. Um, so maybe we'll have to start him again on Saturday. Yeah, def- definitely a confidence player. I think once he once he had mm. a good game, we'll kind of go on a run of it. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll start against Fulham. But we'll get on, we'll get on to Fulham in a bit. Got a few more questions to answer. James Thirty is asking, do we need to strengthen before the window shuts? Do you know, I had a look at the starting lineup when it came out um, 
at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Looked at that bench. We had, that was a really strong bench that we had. And we had Ben Mee out. We got Zanka to come on. We got so much defensive cover in terms of those centre-half positions. Still not a left-back, although, you know, we got Russ Lev on the right and Hickey can play as a left-back. Um, any areas specifically? The, like My only worry, and we've been saying it for a while now, is that in terms of that front four, technically, well, we got Wissert and Buemo, Sharda and KLP. KLP didn't come on on Sunday. But in terms of that front four, would you say we maybe need another forward player? And I think that's what we're going for in terms of like transfers, putting a bid for that. Uh, was it Fiorentina player? I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, um, and that's a rumour of a couple of players from France as well. But um, yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I think it's it's a good front four to have. It's all like very promising. Um, but I do think an injury to, to, to Buemo could be like very detrimental to our season mm-hmm. um, and you only have three to pick from right um, and at Wieser as well because he just constantly scores goals doesn't always put in the best performance but he just consistently scores goals for us so yeah I think you're like two injuries away up front from from being I mean you're not screwed right KLP and Chad are great players but I mean they've I don't think they don't have a Premier League goal between them. No, um, and they're, not, they're not kind of as interchangeable as Wissa and Abumo are. Um, they're, they're, they're very different. Whereas Abumo and Wissa are a little bit similar in terms of the fact that they can both hold the ball up quite well. They can also beat a man and run him behind. KLP, whenever he's played, strikes me as someone who likes to take it on the byline, maybe take someone on and get across it and or get a shot in. Whereas I don't think Wissa and, and Abumo are quite like that. But I, I'd agree. I think you're right. An injury to one of them could be bad. Uh, which is why I think, which is why I think we're still trying to go for one more forward. Hopefully, Forrest mm. set Brennan Johnson free, and then and then we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we've kind of the next question. We've kind of answered it. Surprise, KLP didn't get on considering how much he played last season in preseason. Sorry, this is from Gabs. Sharda scored a hat trick in a behind closed doors friendly the next day. Damn, guy should have buried his chance. I was a bit surprised to see KLP not even get on considering how much he mm. played in, in preseason. Maybe I just don't think he's suited to a front two. Mm. Yeah, no. so I don't, I don't think that's his. It just yeah doesn't really fit. Do you think? Um, do you think that's what we've seen then? When when we play against these top six, well, maybe not top six teams, but when we play in a five, whenever we play in a five, do you think the front two, if if they're available, is going to be Mbuma and Wissa every time? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. but like Shardas more than capable of playing playing one of those four draws. I'm sure KLP is. He's probably just, he's just the fourth choice when they play that. Um, but I know he did play a bit up front when he played for Hull. Um, and he's kind of tucked up when he did play on the wing, kind of cutting in. So he, he's definitely got it. Um, I feel like he needs like a run of confidence. I mean, we we just kind of, I mean, you just think back to the squads we've had to, to, to speak about these players that are costing us 15, 25 million. And yeah. we're saying they need confidence in a run of games and they can't even get in the team. It's, it's, it's quite crazy when you, when you reflect upon it. Yeah, 100%. And we got, we got Slabs asking, why did our subs add so little energy when coming on? Previously, subs have added some energy and changed the outcome of some games, but not yesterday. Obviously, the subs are Baptiste, Damsgaard, Zanka, Sharda, and Bresnev. No, no Josh De Silva, which I was disappointed to see. I actually think this is a little bit harsh, and I'm I'm tired of hearing people hate on Shandon Baptiste because I will ride on, I will die on this hill. He is is he absolutely quality, and I really want to see him start a game. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but whenever he comes on, he, he doesn't do anything apart from getting sent off. It's solid. I've said it so many times. He's solid. He's so solid. It's not. It's not very like inspiring. Though. I don't think he's going to win your game. I, I, he's, never, he's never really had a chance. He's never had a chance. I, mean, I like him. I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> the only game I can think of when he started was Leeds away. Was it last year or the year before, maybe? When we drew 2-2. 
I think that was a... Well, it wasn't last year because I went to the, it was no no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the year before. That was the only that was the only time where I've where I've seen him start. Well, there definitely have. There, there's the only time I can remember where I've seen him start. There's, there's definitely been others, but I don't. I don't. I even saw Groans when Baptiste when, when I heard Groans when Baptiste came on. I don't. I don't understand the hate. I think he is solid. Maybe not a player that inspires massive, massive um, like cheers from the crowd, but I still think. I still think there's a player in there. I know that you think he should probably be loaned out considering how many midfield players we've got, but I would like to see him get a bit more game time. In terms of the other subs that, that came on, I didn't think anyone really did that poorly. I mean, what can Zanka do apart from defend well? Rasulev looked good going down the right. It was a fresh pair of legs when he came on. Um, obviously, Damsgaard was a bit of a stinker. Uh, Sharder looked a little bit... Kind of... He, he does come across as a little bit erratic, Sharder. Like, sometimes the ball really sticks and... He'll he'll drop his shoulder and go past the player without even touching the ball, and then sometimes he just does look like he's a bit too fast for his own good. Mm. <laughs> so we we were talking about um, <clears throat> the level of the subs performance in a related question. Newport Pagnell B is asking um, about the midfield specifically. Lots of bodies, but Christian and Matthias only ones to shine. Yan out dependable, but Josh, Frank, Shandon, Mikel are they good enough if we want to progress to the next level? What I'm going to throw this one at you. I don't even know what the next level is in terms of Brentford. <laughs> in terms of Brentford, is that is that saying are we are they good enough to take us into Europe? Because that is, I mean, if you want to look at it at the table, then that is the next level. Oh, that's a mad question. <laughs> I, I think it's a bit harsh. I think uh, if you reflect upon the Spurs game, right, we're playing, uh, albeit they didn't finish top six, but you're playing a, a big six team, right? Um, it's too, we're, it's two all the whole second half when all the subs are made. Bar Sharder injecting some energy up front, they're all quite defensive, kind of hold on to the lead substitutions. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect those kind of substitutions to have a massive impact on the game. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, no, as well. Like I think on the balance of the game, we had the better chances. But I mean, before before kickoff, you'd have taken a point. hundred percent. I would have still taken oh, a point. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah. And I think I think that bench is strong, like you said. Um, and yeah, what's the next level getting into uh, the Conference League? I guess that's not going to happen, is it? Let's, let's be realistic. So no, they're not good enough for the next level. Um, <laughs> we'll probably need to start signing some more South American regions like um, Brighton do. But I think the level we're at, fine for me. Um, but I, th- I think it's a good question. It's interesting. Um, but for me, like kind of to have that six in midfield that all strong and all, all good start. Like I say, even. If you could argue Baptiste sixth choice, um, you know Michael wants him to start. I, I, I don't think he'd look out of place starting a game. No, um, yeah, like I said, he's probably not going to win you a game. Um, but yeah, definitely happy with that kind of strength and depth of the midfield and, and the quality. Yeah, I think so as well. I think I think there is a little bit of a drop off when when Jensen goes off, but maybe mm. maybe like with with the confidence players like Damsgaard, maybe if he kind of gets the game under his belt, Josh De Silva as well as a big confidence player, maybe if they start to kind of get a string of games where they either contribute a goal or an assist, then then that could change. We have RAF Pato asking, how do we stop pressure mounting when in a low block? It was discussed last season, but without Ivan, we can struggle to get out and relieve pressure with the ball just coming at us phase after phase. I noticed this happening, especially in the last kind of 15 minutes. We'd win the ball back in a low area, like in and around our penalty area, and there'd be kind of nowhere to go to. Although Brian actually did a pretty stellar job of it, I thought, and I didn't, I didn't really think, I think that was like some of the best hold-up play that he's actually had in his time as a Brentford player, maybe just in light of the fact that Tony wasn't there to be the one holding it up. But I thought that we are going to struggle when we win the ball back in and around our own box. 
that doesn't look like an, there's not an obvious outfall. I, I think of the times where Tony's done it. Um, for example, for Embuemo's goal last season against Man United at home, or the several times that Tony held the ball up at Man City away, I feel like that might be an area we might struggle with, especially in the air. Um, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, I think it's just, if you don't have Tony, you just don't have that outfall, right? It's as simple as that. Um, it, it, if you've got 10 men behind the ball and you're leaving one of the two up front, um, and it's not Tony, then yeah, maybe they're not going to win every duel. Um, but then maybe, maybe they just need to think about how, I mean, you don't always have the luxury of choosing how you clear it, right? But instead of instead of going directly to Tony and him kind of controlling it and bringing it down, which you can start attack from, maybe you have to take a bit more risk and go kind of over the top and let Brian use his pace and take some other ways up. But oh, I think we'll leave that to Frank. It's probably a bit too above my grade. <laughs> we got we got another question from Torbay B saying it was interesting that Thomas Frank talked about proving something to the doubters when discussing the goals post match. Seems he's a little niggled. Allied to this, the immediate extensive report on the behind closed doors friendly game against Brighton. Lots of promotion on Shada's hat trick. Not sure the same coverage would be there if we'd have lost or it finished nil nil. Selling the idea seems to be the order of the day. What do others think? I was a little bit confused by this question because like you're not not going to report that Kevin Shada scored a hat trick in a behind closed doors friendly. Um, it just seems it seems like if a player is doing well, obviously the, I understand because there is kind of selling the idea and the fact that Flecken made a couple of good saves and then was saying like they're posting on Twitter saying he had an amazing debut. But they they kind of have to back their own players, especially if Sharda's like score it. They they can see all the discourse online. They know that people are saying when's Sharda going to score. They're basically just saying it's coming and it is coming. He just needs one. Yeah, um, my, the only doubt I had about that Brighton because I did have a look when they announced it. Uh, about that Brighton behind the closed doors, they didn't announce. They didn't say what they gave our lineup, which was kind of yeah. scattered of B team players, and then some old players that didn't play too much on on Sunday. But they didn't give the Brighton lineup, so I, I do wonder what the strength of that is. But I can imagine it's probably similar. It probably was a they, they probably arranged it early on the season, kind of players that haven't got a lot of preseason minutes and yeah. then didn't play first weekends. Um, so I mean, if you're thinking it's kind of a mixture between fringe Brighton squad players and and some maybe some of their youthful players. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with promoting they scored a hat trick. Yeah, um, I can kind of get the point. They're like, I don't know the club's been too happy, claffy, but I think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, no, same. I think uh, we got the last question on the GPG. Justin Fisher is asking which players, which Spurs players could add to our side. He can think of only three: Son, Madison, and Basuma. Definitely Madison and Basuma. Uh, I would take Richardson just for the chaos. Um, nah. but, but he, is, he is bang average but it's weird because Richarlison I kind of watch him play for Brazil especially at the World Cup and he was on fire and then he played mm. and he was really good when he was at Everton really good when he was at Watford but for some reason at Spurs it just hasn't stuck yet hopefully well not hopefully but I imagine he will be the number nine going into the next season with Harry Kane gone um, who, who else? who else from the Tottenham side would you take? well so you've gone Bazuma. I wouldn't take Bazuma. <laughs> At the moment. You wouldn't take Son. No, I wouldn't take Son. At the moment, he stunk the gaff out on Sunday. And he, got, Which... it was bad. And it was bad last season as well. Yeah, Considering but... the season before, he got top goal, drunk, top goal gear. It's quite crazy. Yeah, I know, yeah. How he's fallen off. I don't know. I think I still might not take him. I'm not taking the goalkeeper. I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking the fullbacks. Although I thought Doje was good on his debut yeah, for Spurs. Yeah, he's um, Ben Tancourt, I would take 100%. Yeah, no, he's, he's pretty class. Yeah, but he didn't play, so... Eric, um, Eric Dyer wasn't even in the squad. No, because he can't pass. Yeah. Big Ange doesn't like that. Um, I, no, I think I'll, uh, I'll give Son a, 
a bit of confidence, and I'll, I'll take him. You take Son. I'd I'd take Kulusevski over Son personally. I th- I think. Nah, I think he's a bit of a donkey. Really, Kulusevski? Yeah, I don't know. He just runs sideways a lot. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that uh, Mickey Van der Ven played that well on his debut. Um, no, but he's only just joined like last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe give him time. I didn't realize Emerson Royale could have that kind of role for Tottenham either, because he was kind of labelled as a bit of a donkey. But he was kind of. Did you see he was kind of drifting into midfield even for his goal? He was quite high up the pitch. Uh, yeah, hence, hence why we're pumping it over to Rico, right? Because he was never in position uh, by choice, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought he, I thought he looked good because you've got to play to your strengths. If you've got him in your squad, mm-hmm. play to your strengths, make it let him go forward. So yeah, yeah I thought he was decent. Got a couple of questions from Twitter. We uh, have got Danby asking, what does the panel think of the Twitter mob that will want to jump on seconds back? Does the negativity get back to players? Is that a dog? <laughs> Fucking dog, give me one second. Do you want to just read the question again? Sorry, yeah. man. Danby, Danby on Twitter asking, what does the panel think of the Twitter mob that will want to jump on seconds back? Does the negativity get back to the players? Neg- negativity definitely gets back to the players. Um, in terms of the mob jumping on seconds back, I think after his performance on Sunday, they probably would have shut up. Yeah, I don't know. It's just Twitter, isn't it? It's just yeah. Twitter being Twitter. Yeah, it's a bit of an echo chamber. Someone sees if you see Fleck, like five people saying that you follow, say, "Oh, Fleckham was shit." Fleckham's got proper dumb hands. All we could do is pass. Then when you then watch one of the summer series game highlights and you know maybe something beats him at the front post that shouldn't have, then you're like, oh, "You know what? Actually, he's rubbish." Mm. The reason he only cost twelve million and he's he's playing in playing in the Bundesliga and he blah blah blah. blah. Um, nah, I think it's just a bit of noise, but it probably does get back to the players. Definitely. <sighs> Defo. I can think of, I can even remain Sawyer's when he was like right under the cosh from the fans. And you could tell every touch, every touch lacked confidence. Um, and as soon as it kind of eased a little bit, he started to get to the player that he could have been. But it definitely, it definitely does get back to the players, which is why we keep the criticism to podcasts that they didn't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Mark West asking about away fans and the home end. Can't say we saw too much of that in the West End. Any, any shouts of home fans, uh, away fans and the home end? Uh, no, for once not. But I did see a couple of tweets about like, a whole row of people in, in the West End. Yeah. It's just inevitable, isn't it, in the Premier League? Yeah. But the club could definitely do more. Um, they, they, they definitely could do more. Yeah. Um, we've got BS asking who is harder to replace, Raya or Tony? I think categorically you can say Tony for that because he's a 20 plus goal a season striker in the Premier League. So replacing yeah. that is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, Andrea, what's your understanding of this transfer? So, well, I think they broke it down in an article today. Well, Jay broke it down. Or Phil, Phil Giles, I read the article that Brentford put out. Mm. He was basically saying he's very confident that they're going to sign him after the loan deal is done. But the reason that they put in a contract extension for Rea was just in case they didn't decide to go through with the transfer. But he, he said that he's more than confident it's going to get done. So, and putting another two years on his contract isn't going to do us any harm. Either we sell him for more when he comes back, or we have another two years of David Ray, and he's one of the best keepers in the Prem. So it's, it seems like good business all around. People kicking up, it's Twitter again. It's Twitter again. You see one person tweet negatively about it, and everyone's up in arms about the nature of the deal. But I think you've got to trust the people in charge. Like Phil Giles' record in terms of recruitment, selling players, is pretty exceptional. Um, to, th- to think that a few kids on Twitter know better, it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's silly. Cool. All right, sweet. We'll get on to Fulham. That's the rest of the questions wrapped up. Uh, we'll have a quick chat around Saturday. Obviously, there's always a little bit of spice added when we play Fulham. How how are we feeling? How are we feeling before the game? We played them similar time last season. 
and uh, it does kind of, I don't know about you, but when we start to play film, I do start to get a little bit nervous. <laughs> don't normally get nervous. Um, uh, I don't know. We were saying in the pub after the game that it can't be worse than last year, right? Even if we lost 4-0, mm-hmm. it's probably not worse than Mitrovic scoring last minute away from home, is it? So uh, that's, that's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was, I was just about to say, like, it's very important for the team to even if we lose, to put in two very good performances against Fulham or against QPR if they're in the same league. I mean, if we went, if we went out on, on Saturday and we got battered 4-0, I'd be pretty fucking pissed off. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about you. A lot of people... You'd be pissed off, but at least you'd be in the pub at 2-0. You, know, you wouldn't have to stay until the 93rd minute and then watch Mitrovic score at the back post, dunking on Rico's head. That's very true. If we get if we get a repeat of that, um, I'll be very upset. Their, their starting lineup against Everton actually didn't contain many new players, bar, bar Raul Jimenez. Leno was in great form. Am I am I being harsh saying that they're going to be relocation candidates come the end of the season? Have I just got my job? I thought if, if Mitro left and and Silva left, I, I would have been on board. But I don't know. It's, it, they played all right against Everton from what I saw from the highlights. But I mean, if Morpai decided to remember how to finish, he probably would have lost the game. So yeah, who knows? It's a weird one with Morpai because like I see so many Everton fans getting on his back. And to think of like the form that he was in in that championship season. And honestly, I didn't think that his jump up from the championship to the Premier League would be too massive. With the chances that he's getting in the Premier League, he'd have, he'd have buried those for Brentford a few years ago. I, don't, I just, I don't understand. I really don't. Um, he's a confidence player as well, isn't he? Yeah, lots of confidence players. That's the theme of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> getting on to the lineups. I, th- I saw Jay think that he wasn't, he wouldn't be surprised if KLP started. In if we're going to play, if we're going to match their four, they started in a they started in a four against against Everton on the weekend. So I wouldn't. Right, we'll KLP is kind of deployed on the left, either Whistler or Mbemo on the right, or they're kind of interchangeable anyway. And we kind of use player, kind of use Sharder as a, a sub on sixty minutes if if we're chasing the game. Um, yeah, think? I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Um, we've got lots of options. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I think it's be a good game. I, I don't think there's a whole lot between the two teams. And even if there is, it doesn't really take it doesn't matter when you go into a derby. So yeah. Yeah. Should be a good game. Sweet. I think that's be a good place to round off the podcast. The Elamary podcast will be back next week following the West London Derby on Sunday. In the meantime, please stay tuned across all of our socials. That is at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. And also whilst you're at it, please subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels. And we shall see you next week. Cheers, Peyton. Cheers. Podcast Network.